Welcome, one and all, to a new episode of my RPG podcast. And today's guest is our good friend Nikki from the Sladies. She makes her return to the podcast to talk to me about uh, paying your dungeon master slash game master, running the Sladies channel and launching some of their new initiatives and content, maternity leave, and running games for kids. This is a great episode, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome, one and all, to a new episode of my RPG podcast. Today's guest is our friend Nikki from Sladies. How are you doing, Nikki? I'm swell, Don. How are you? I'm doing swell as well. And <laughs> while it's not the time to rhyme, I will continue it. Um, you all may have heard Nikki on a previous episode of my RPG podcast. Definitely go back there and listen to that if you want to get a lot of the uh, regular rigmarole I do with you know your backstory and RPGs and things like that. So since we've already done that, uh, let's just talk about Nikki. What you been up to recently? Well, recently uh, I have been developing a small person. Um, so we're 34 weeks pregnant, which uh, may maybe isn't like top tier tabletop RPG news, but it's important for what's happening at Slady's ATL. Um, we've been uh, doing a bunch of campaigns and a few charity stuff, but uh, I have uh, my maternity leave coming up soon, um, which we're really excited about. And with the maternity leave, we've uh, put some things into place. So there's going to be some cool summertime fun one shots and charity stuff. And we have also launched our Patreon. So uh, if people want to donate money, not donate money, uh, uh, join our Patreon for uh, cool uh, exclusive content. There's also a special uh, five slots, only $25 uh, Patreon that will only be going on while I'm on maternity leave. Uh, I'll be crocheting you things, essentially. <laughs> that's that's the whole tier. You get everything else with with the Patreon perks and everything, but that one is ex- exclusively like, and Nikki will make you something while she's resting from having a small human. And I think you're justified, definitely, in your rest. I'm surprised that you even took, decided to take the time to give us all uh, patrons here who go into $25 tier a personalized item. That's very, very cool. That's one of the first times I've heard of such like a thing in uh, Patreon, so that's definitely a good sell. I mean, it's uh, it's mostly giving me something to do, and it, they're not big things. These aren't like, you know, blankets or, or scarves or anything. These would be like... Uh, headbands or or uh, coasters or bookmarks, th- things that take me uh, t- 45 minutes to maybe two hours, which I, um, I've i done the maternity leave before. I'm going to need something to do through the monotony of the day while I'm sitting in bed <laughs> recovering. <laughs> we totally understand. So glad to hear, of course, making life is very important. How's your RPG life been, though? Um, very exciting. Uh, we are closing the second season of Hunt for the Heart Charge, which is our main um, Sladies campaign. Uh, again, uh, kind of getting that out of the way so that I can prepare for my maternity leave. But it's 
reached a, a, a point that I'm very excited about that I didn't originally plan for. I, I, um, uh, the original plan for this campaign was to take the battle that they're about to enter into and put that into the next season. But then something came up and I was like, you know what? This will actually be better. Let's have it here and then do something else for the final chapter uh, that we will premiere in the fall when I return from my maternity leave. Um, and then we, uh, Siren Song will also be returning for a second season in the fall as well. Um, pretty much what we're doing right now in uh, Sladies is just kind of like getting our community kind of amped up for more content that is not just um, suggested by them, but um, showcasing them as well. Uh, with the Patreon, there's uh, options for you to kind of throw your name into the hat uh, to be picked for some of the one shots um, and the higher you, uh, the higher tier you are, the more your name gets thrown into the hat to be picked for these one shots. Um, and we just wanted to kind of reach out to more of those people and be like, hey, thank you for the support. And with that support, please join us for this really fun game that you guys have been asking us to 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 run for you all. And if this is really fun, we'll be happy to make this an ongoing uh, feature on Sladies. So that's uh, that's kind of it's all like kind of build up for more stuff later, like closing up some minor projects and then beginning to start new projects uh, for the summertime, which is, I'm really excited about it all. Yeah. I mean, you guys are doing a lot of amazing things as uh, I'm sure everybody who's been listening to my RPG podcast will note, I'm kind of doing my best to, you know, kind of catch them all. If I can use a Pokemon reference with the Sladies crew, uh, I'm such yes. a big fan of uh, all of you Sladies. Uh, and it's one of those things to where as the conversations continue, you're always doing something new. The, the team is so ambitious and so passionate. And now obviously the launch of all these very initiatives, and I know you taking a step back, uh, rightfully so, um, there is still no slowdown in the content and material that's being made by this lady's crew so i think that's awesome but one of the things that's interesting about it is the fact that like we are talking about something that a long time has not been considered could even potentially be a professional or something that you really get paid for which is kind of dming as entertainment slash as a profession as a gig or a job i want to know what your thoughts are on that and if, if it's something that's um you're a, a little bit worried about or something that you're excited about because uh, I know a lot of people have feelings about you know professional DMs, GMs, or professional games that people run for cost. Don, I'm going to be completely honest with you. If you can do something well that people like ask you to do, like people come and ask you to do a thing, you should get paid for it. Mm -hmm. hands, hands down. Um, it's wonderful and exciting to get paid for a thing that you love and that you enjoy. And I, people who get paid to dungeon master, I, I am honestly jealous of, um, I mean, technically that, that is kind of what I do with Sladies, but since I am the owner and producer of it with my, my amazing co-host, uh, April Ray, um, 
while technically the any income that we do get from like the streams or the Patreon or any of that, none of that goes to like my wallet. All of it goes immediately back into um, pretty much making sure that the stream continues running and any content that we uh, have to buy out of pocket. Mostly it's like the the music, copyright music and, and any of that equipment that we use on our computer that we pay for monthly. Um, but uh, no, I think getting paid to Dungeon Master is amazing. Um, I, I did for a while technically get paid to Dungeon Master, but it was kind of like included all in one. Like I got paid to run events, um, find Dungeon Masters and also run games if uh, people wanted to do that. Um, and I feel like now it's such a weird uh, thing for people to put on there. It like, I feel like it's the first time like an artist that does like digital art or someone that, you know, writes um, for companies or anything like when you put that on your, uh, not resume, but like your portfolio or your reel or if you're trying to get into, if you do anything that is arts and you're like, hi, for a while I was doing this for free for practice, but now people are demanding my craft. I would like for people to pay for it. And there's a very weird stigma of like, well, if you were giving it away for free, then why are you asking to pay for it now? And I feel like it's, there's, it's not free because there is there's time and there's energy and there's uh, resources that one might not actually like cost anything monetarily. It you know it, it it does require some form of payment and Dungeon Masters put a lot of work into games and I I would love to see them compensated, which is kind of why we're we're so excited to start the Patreon for Sladies. Um, and do all this work um, coming up in the summertime because the hope and the dream is that not only could we pay um, our dungeon masters, but we could also pay our players. Like even if it's just five dollars, that's huge <laughs> for for us anyway. And I, I, I completely echo your sentiments in regards to if you you know do a task and you're good at it, and people have a demand for it, you should be compensated for it. I don't need to invoke. My many times I will bring up my economics degree and background and stuff like that. But on a different token, I think a lot has to be said, and I think you did bring it up uh, interestingly about this kind of switch now recently of something that for a lot of people was a labor of love, something that can be done usually in a close-knit group or amongst a friend's group, which has now kind of been opened up to anybody uh, thanks to the internet, obviously, and conventions and you know yep. meetups and people being able to advertise their services. I mean, you know, one of our former guests, Michael is a great resource to talk to about that. He at one time before being hit with some medical uh, difficulties was running uh, seven games a week and being paid for him. He was full time dungeon master. And yeah. with the, all the prep uh, preparation required, all the you know resources, creating maps and or purchasing maps from, you know, artists and things like that. Like it is truly a proper business. It's truly a proper ordeal. Uh, but what's interesting is that you did bring up something that uh, I have tangentially a little bit of uh, relation to as well. And it's using RPGs as like 
a resource or a skill on CVs or on reels or things like that in other spaces. I think that's very interesting because, um, as I explained, oh, I have I whole as put put dungeon master on job resumes. I I don't phrase it as dungeon mastering, but I I have put in like you know um, when uh, uh, other skills like you know. Uh, leadership position, able to to work well with others, able to problem solve, um, uh, good like any any of those things that you like. If you just strip away the fantasy wording of it and just like put it into real world context, they are job skills that you could use and you can put on a resume. Yeah, a thousand percent. That's kind of one of the things I was going to lean into. I mean. What more, uh, what's more applicable in, in a job than, you know, coordinating various different people's schedules and then having tasks accomplished and, you know, being all about, uh, building a world and creating like that's, that's a creative thing, but there's a logistical thing. There's obviously the, um, improvisational, th- uh, aspect, which you all have. I mean, whenever you're playing a game players and dms are improvising but it's really the dmgm who's doing a, a good bit of the lifting there and you know if especially if you're going to pursue acting or anything like that like i would consider being a dungeon master or a game master as credit for being somebody who's accustomed to improvisation and accustomed to being creative so it's all all gravy to me when it comes to that regard and now that we're able to, to Ex- export that from just something that we do amongst our friends to like something that we can promote and get paid for full time. There is, uh, and I think this comes with every single fandom, especially fandoms that are old. Uh, and by, I mean old, I don't mean like because of the population. I just mean that has, you know, been around with one or two fads or one or two peaks. Dungeons and Dragons has been around since the seventies and it, it evolved from two other types of games, including like, Civil War reenactment, tabletop game, Warforge, like it, it, it's, it's been around. Yeah, yeah, and 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 because it's been around, you'll see people who are true diehard traditionalists, or you know, want this to be kept in a certain sort of sphere or kept under a certain sort of one way of things to be done, and that's where a lot of that sure comes from. And I can't believe, you know, I I can't believe that any of these people would disagree if we posited that to any other sort of uh, job, any other sort of task, be it, you know, art or, you know, carpentry or something like that. So I, I feel like it, it's, it's a nostalgia meets like emotional response more than a logical one. Yeah. I, uh, I have had this conversation with, with several people who are like, even just for charity events, um, uh, you know, like I, the money is not going to me, the money is going to a cause and, even then getting people to to donate even like a dollar or five dollars is sometimes um not like shaking a tree but you want to shake something it's just like it's 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 so frustrating sometimes to get people to give money which i get because of you know the quarantine and um, a lot of people aren't making any money right now. Like I, I completely get that. But also, um, if people have a demand for a thing, um, even a dollar makes a huge difference when you have at least 10 people giving a dollar. Um, 
uh, I, I, you know, I explained it to a friend of mine. I was like, Hey, if you are making these maps and you're bringing these minis and you're driving to somebody's house and, uh, you you want to get paid to dm just ask for each person to pitch in five bucks each session if you have four to five players that's uh at least 25 dollars a night which you were doing it for free before so that's already net 25 that you've got right there and if you're doing a, one game a week for a month then that's another so it's four times 25 that's a uh a hundred, excuse me, a hundred bucks a month. Like, but also, you know, that's if people agree to that, which some people do. Some people are like, yeah, I'll pay the five dollars instead of like, you know, uh, instead of bringing food to the game, I'll, I'll pitch you the five dollars, which to be completely honest, I would rather have someone hand me five dollars than. Oh, that's not true. Some people make some really bomb food. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but I get what you're saying, right? Like the the conventional, like oh, I brought chips and drip, and drip. Excuse me, uh, chips and drink, and uh, you know, I bought chips and my fly clothes. <laughs> like, I look real good. <laughs> that would, that would be pretty good. Like you, you should you should consider this payment enough that I showed up in my favorite Adidas tracksuit. At least that's what my Eastern European self wants to do. But anyway, um. When somebody, you know, has the traditional chips or pizza or whatever and stuff like that, while great, you know, everybody appreciates the nourishment, um, it, it's a lot more uh, versatile if you just gave them straight cash because then they can do whatever they like with that money and save that up if potential, you know, uh, those cheese slices don't save themselves up. Yeah. But I mean, there's also, I think, I think at one point there was even a, uh, I think even even now still there is that weird like if if somebody doesn't offer to bring snacks or food for the group if someone is just like hey by the way today is so-and-so's day or hey let's all pitch in five bucks so we can get a pizza for tonight um i i've been in groups where that is met with pushback and it's like have you met hungry gamers like someone brings snacks um it'll be me usually it's me i don't mind i usually also get beer but um yeah the 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 notion of uh providing something um like when you when you do it just out of the goodness of your heart people like really like doing that they love doing that one time like yes i i am the beneficial person that has brought the snacks and chips or the dungeon master did so much really good things. And after the campaign is over, we got him a Starbucks gift card or something like that's really sweet, but also we should be allowed to, to ask now uh, again, if people are, you know, demanding the service, Hey, we saw that you're open for running a game for us. We have five people. We loved your sci-fi game that you ran that one time. We, we really we would really like it if you ran this game for us if people are asking that then you should be able to be like okay i'll happily do that it would be great uh to get paid to run this game for you guys that you have asked me to do like at that point it's a business transaction which you know we should we should be open to hell if you pay your dungeon masters not only are they more like eager to do all of this work 
for your game. Uh, not only that, but they can probably even elevate their game from what they've been doing for free. The possibilities are endless. Yeah, I think there has to be a, a serious sort of reevaluation of our um of our of our ideas about the amount of time and effort it takes to do many of the hobbies that we enjoy. I mean, this could fall into so many of the aspects of the RPG sphere from our friends who've come on and who make maps and who makes adventures to full on 200 plus page supplements with monastery manuals and all that stuff. It, the hardest thing from all the content creators I've had on, all the RPG creators I've had on, uh, is usually coming up to discerning value. The value, of yes. course, their time, the value, of course, of the product. And a lot of times I've talked to creators who do put stuff out for free or put stuff out for pay what you want and very, very low cost because, like you mentioned, when people are accustomed to getting something for free, as soon as you start charging for it, it feels like an insult. It feels dirty or wrong. But we also, logically outside of that statement, know that anything produced takes effort. So it's weird that there's that dichotomy amongst us. And I, you know, I can't even imagine if that was something that I tried to live and, you know, expand upon. I mean, that must be so frustrating. I, I, I wonder how you guys view that when you come to deciding like, okay, well, what shows are we going to do? What, how much are we going to charge for a thing? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? How, how much is the finances, uh, you guys taking a loss or how much is the finances you guys accepting? Like, we're not going to make much here versus like, okay, I think we need to establish that people need to pay for this or that. I won't go into detail about what our, what our, um, I don't need hard numbers. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 you're good. But, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the, um, time and effort is pretty much, that's all free right now. Uh, the, the, all the back producing stuff is mostly me. And, uh, I don't, again, I don't, I, I do technically get paid for it, like all the stream payout and Patreon payout goes to the account that I have set up, but that immediately then goes into, you know, like Sirenscape, Storyblocks, Streamlab, any, any, any thing that we use to pay for being able to run things online. Um, and, uh, anything else comes pretty much out of pocket. Um, so, uh, I, w I would probably say that over the course of a year, we spend probably close to $600 in a year to run a stream. Maybe not 600, closer to 500, but still like, that's monthly... It's like monthly charges for things like Zoom, Sirenscape, Storyblocks, uh, Streamlabs, um, the Discord Nitro, so that we can have all of that content going up. Uh, anytime we do, uh, like uh, right now we do have a special going on with the Patreon where you can uh, order uh, exclusive Slady's fans that we got made and there's only a limited number 
but eventually at some point we will also be doing merch as well through like an actual company and um because like you're doing it through Redbubble right now we do not get hardly any money back from Redbubble doing the merch through them um and so once we start doing it through like an actual um printer uh that will also be another large cost as well uh because you want to pay them up front and then have all the bulk and yeah it's <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> that goes into it that's all behind the scenes that it's like 10 or 15 dollars for each of these things for a month but when you put it all together for like a year's worth of cost uh yeah it, it piles up yeah definitely i mean and you've gone, you know, way more in depth than I think most people usually do because there, you know, reasons are numerous, obviously. But ultimately, and, and the content it kind of speaks for itself in that regard, you know, with inclusivity kind of at the forefront and kind of promoting safe space. But is is the ultimate end goal then to potentially do this full time for you? Um, if I could sit in an office and work through getting money offers and sponsorships and charity work and produce uh content for marginalized genders uh on uh for the community i would 100% do that like even if it's even if it doesn't pay well as long as it, like if it paid something that not only just for me, but for all the people involved, I would do that. Awesome. So now that we're going to do a quick little pivot, if you don't mind, um, as as we've um, had a couple of conversations before about the kind of basic lead up to your, your RPG uh, experiences, one of the things that's coming up for me and partially because I'm, I'm coming towards the end of a six year long um, kind of campaign well not one campaign it's really two campaigns but you know six years long in, in kind of a general vaguely similar story across two campaigns in one world is I, I started realizing what i got into this game and what i took from this game when i started is different when i'm taking from this game now that i'm six years in and my players at the table and i have been discussing this about well do i run another game do i finally get to be a you know a player as opposed to a forever forever dm you know trademark uh, meme joke uh, um and and a lot of the, the 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 thing that's come up for us and especially because we've been playing the 5e system for this entire time is what we've seen uh, we like and what we don't like and has changed and we start to feel like maybe it's a change of setting we need maybe it's a change of system or maybe it's just we need to shake the old you know tree and try to see if anything new comes out of it we just need to shake things up and do you ever because you do do rpgs as obviously sure that's something that's fun but you also have a little bit of a something is expected of you it becomes a task do you ever worry about losing that passion or does it just change what you find interesting in playing a game or running a game Oh, I mean, I've absolutely had a uh, game burnout before, uh, just flat out. Like, I have no inspiration for this game. I have no inspiration um, f to continue this story. I have no inspiration to 
host people at my house or go go out and host games um that's a real that's a real thing that i've experienced um and when the and usually i can tell when it's about to happen and in that case i usually am like okay i'm gonna take a break and i do i usually give myself like a month or two um and just don't don't do rpgs just kind of just take a break um like still thinking about it in the back of my mind like you know what are like i'll reach out to the players and i'll be like hey what what are some things that you want to do when this comes back like what are some things that you would like to explore um what are some things that that uh we did that you were kind of like let's not do that again um you kind of keep that in mind and write that down and then uh when the break is over kind of just go okay here's where we're going to start on and we're going to take it one step at a time uh as the inspiration kind of slowly comes back it doesn't always come back sometimes it takes a little bit longer than like one session or two but i think it is very important for uh people who because again like i was saying you should if you're doing something that people are demanding of you you should get paid for it and just like work you need breaks so even though you're doing this for free and you're doing this for passion please for the love of god take a break and actually take a break don't just say you're taking a break and then do all the do all the games that you couldn't do while you were focusing on your main game like actually like take a take a full break from uh needing to be creative now if you want to be creative and that just you know you find creativity in other things do it but that's for you and for fun and not for uh not by demand um is the important thing um and i just kind of let the inspiration just I'll, I'll usually do like one like one line sentences like what what would it be like if we ran a game that was set in the Lisa Frank universe where everything is just a pastel vomitous world of color or what would happen if uh we did a western just like a regular western but you know take away all the shitty things about a western and make it fantasy western because you can do that <laughs> um and it doesn't always work but most of the time it it helps to to reach out to other people and just also just do whatever just sounds fun and even if it doesn't last long um and i think letting people know like hey we're going to try something different we're going to try this thing we're going to see how it goes and give yourself um especially if you're trying something brand new after just coming off of like a six year thing, give yourself like a month or two of game. Like don't, don't, don't expect a game to last a year. Like give yourself a realistic uh, kind of end or make it very open-ended a cliffhanger sort of, sort of deal. And if you, everyone liked it, cool. You can continue playing um, if you weren't really feeling it, if other people weren't really feeling it, you can pick it up later or you can just let it drop. Um, but, uh, there's nothing wrong with losing inspiration or, uh, needing to take time away after 
completing a very large project. Um, I think that's very important for anybody, not just people running games for tabletop RPGs, anything that requires um, time and effort and energy and mental focus. Yeah, creativity is, 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 is a weird sort of resource because whereas it's not something you can just drive from the ground or, you know, um, grow, like it comes and it goes sometimes. And there's parts where um, you're being quote unquote creative and creating things, but it's not done out of like a giant spark of inspiration. It's done out of an you know, obligation or just like well, this thing needs to happen. So I'm going to create it. And then there's obviously those times where, and this is usually the, the high that people search for all the time, is where it just hits you and you're going a million miles a minute and you feel this you know, exhilarating feeling within yourself. And as time goes on, I think maybe this just comes with having um, been doing the same thing weekly, sometimes, two, well, most of the times, two games a week for so long. Uh, I wonder if, if my... My love of this thing was less predicated on, oh, well, I just liked uh, running a game regardless of what the game was and more about like, well, here's a unique thing that it didn't give me that I didn't have at the time. And now I'm six years into it thinking like, well, you know, I've got a great trove of friends now that I picked up from this game. If I had amazing experiences that now I've played at conventions, I've played, you know, here, I've played there, I've done this, I've been that character, I've been this character. So I, I guess the thing that, drives me no longer is the novelty of something like, oh, it's like it's a role player, come up with something in my mind. Now the thing that drives me is uh, how deep can I go into evoking emotion or how deep can I go into pushing a narrative, you know, that's a little more complicated than just here's the big bad guy at the end of the dungeon, right? So yeah, those are the things that, uh, it, it, it's weird. It's, I don't want to say it's any better or more sophisticated approach because like, if a game is fun, a game is fun. There's no judgment there. But I think that there's definitely something to be said about as you keep playing the game, you take things differently from it and you, you pursue the game for different reasons too. Yeah, uh, I mean, my home game will be different from my stream game just because of the type of play that is going on like uh, there's there's usually the same vibe but i home games usually can go like five or six hours and um we we can take time to do the fun goofy uh shopping montage stuff to there uh, i would not do that during a stream game because oh my god who wants to sit and watch two three hour long sessions of us talking to merchants i mean maybe some people do but i that's not the kind of content that I would want to put out. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, like I said, the first time uh, I came onto the podcast, when you asked me about um, where my humble origin started, um, the realization that I was playing in games with mostly dudes, mostly white cis dudes, and um, their games were very heavily uh, centered around playing white cis males and helping NPCs that were white cis males and um, realizing I didn't want to play games that that were like that. I wanted to play games that had diversity in them uh, and play with people who would bring diversity to these games and not just like the characters and the NPCs but also the setting like 
not just playing in your basic Western fantasy, um, uh, medieval fantasy, excuse me, uh, because um, I think it's boring. <laughs> I think it's so boring. Um, not that it's totally boring. Sometimes it can be very, very fun and exciting, but I have found that um, most often I find it very, very boring because um, it's gotten predictable, I guess um in in that scope uh but now i'm like you know how can i you know play other systems now now my focus is less on uh just dungeon dragons and now i'm like well i want to play monsters of the week i want to do thirsty sword lesbians i want to do mundane magic there's there's so many systems out there so many systems and they're all great and they all have their own different rule sets and some are more RP heavy, some are a little more crunchy with more dice and numbers. And I want to see what of those would also be fun to showcase to people and tell stories through. Um, so that's kind of also where my my brain is at that I'm like, I'm going on maternity leave, so I have to like actually like focus on raising a human and getting better from that but also what games do i want to run after this yeah i think uh, i can't um wait there's a part of me that I can't kind of wait to see that without that obligation without that pressure that is put upon me partially because of you know the responsibility of being a game master and knowing that people are expecting content from you and then the other is just my own uh, self-inflicted uh, <laughs> pressures. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to see like how quickly it takes for me to be like, damn, I have the itch, and how quickly I will latch on to like, well, now here comes a great idea. Now here comes something I've never had a chance to do, and I, and I want to go back. So that's definitely something I, I kind of look forward to, and I appreciate your input and your perspective on that as well. And I think as we look forward towards the games we're going to run and the places we're trying to go with our, our stories, at the end of the day, we have to make sure to self-care, like you mentioned, like any job, you, you need to take breaks, you need to take time to, to watch out for yourself and things like that. So it's something that definitely should be echoed from, from every field, especially this fandom, which we love so much. Um, but now looking towards the positive future, the sunshiny future, uh, fortunately, at least in the United States, uh, things are getting a little bit better in regards to vaccinations and the stuff that has happened here with the crazy 2020-2021 COVID situation. What are your feelings about getting back to the table and are there any sort of reserves or any sort of worries or hesitations that you have now? Because I know a lot of people are still weirded out by the even the idea of going out in public. Um, I... Uh... Groups of friends that I trust and have seen who have gotten the vaccine, who have been, you know, also quarantining, who've been safe, like those people, I will absolutely like go to their homes, play games with them in, in spaces that, uh, I know are also, um, clean and, and ready for people to come to. Like I, uh, I will happily play with those people. Uh, going back to playing in bars, eh? Uh, going like I, I, I know some people want to revive uh, kind of the the um, 
meetup and jump in game scene that was seen here in Atlanta um, over on Edgewood, which I'm 100% for if people want to do that. I personally don't feel comfortable doing that yet just because I know how bars are. Bars are gross. <laughs> you can't, can't help that. Um, and uh, now uh, playing at like a game store, I would probably be really open to doing that because that's a little more um, not not heavy on the foot traffic. You can usually kind of set up a small area and keep that clean with people who have also, you know, can show uh, that they have been vaccinated and are, you know, um, following guidelines to being around people indoors. I'm not ready to go back to conventions yet. I already got sick at conventions normally. Uh, going back to a convention right now um does not seem like something that i would want to do nor something that i would um bring ladies into um just because it's it's still very much up in the air and i know that conventions would do their best to proceed by guidelines but i don't trust hundreds of people who um are sometimes just don't take very good care of themselves um, but, uh, I'm excited to do home games or even small events that are in a space that can be controlled, uh, as far as like, uh, uh, spacing and checking, uh, if people have gotten their vaccinations, um, and making sure that, uh, the people that are coming in are the people that are there for the event and not, random people walking in that we can't keep track of, if that makes sense. Um, just for now, like this year, probably next year until things obviously, um, get better, like very obviously get better. Not just like we all got vaccinated. Like, no, no, no. There needs to be a decline in d daily COVID deaths. There needs to be uh, a decline in people getting COVID. Um, and there also needs to be uh, just a an all-around uh, 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 sign from the community that they are taking this seriously. Like, not just the, the venues, the people. Like, groups of people need to show that they are adult enough to wash their hands, wear a mask, stay six feet apart, show, uh, get vaccinated, um, and still follow those things even after being vaccinated. Um, it's my biggest, it's my biggest takeaway. And that just comes from somebody who has been uh, around lar large groups of people, but also somebody who has two small kids who aren't vaccinated yet. Um, I mean, my, my, uh, the new baby will technically have the antibodies because I have been vaccinated while pregnant, but my son has not been vaccinated yet. And the child vaccine for COVID probably won't be coming out until either the end of this year or the beginning of next year. And uh, I don't want to pass that. I don't want to pass COVID on to my kids from just running any of these events. So. Totally understandable. And yeah, this is still very much a, a stressful situation, regardless of whether people are vaccinated or not, because nothing of course is a hundred percent. And I will be interested myself though, with all my, uh, friends and, uh, fellow, uh, DMs and GMs and people out there who do end up running either your local friendly neighborhood game shop games or convention games to see if 
if there's any instituted instituted requirements about masking, if there's any changes about touching of minis and stuff like that. Um, you, you, this whole pandemic thing has had me reevaluating a lot of the things we do and realizing just how much A, we contact and touch everything, but uh, B, also how more considerate we can be for the people at the table because I've certainly showed up to games where I, I think I've had the sniffles, you know, or I've, yep. you know, I've been a little under the weather, but I persevered or got through. And then I wonder if, oh, well, my, you know, one of my players got sick two weeks later. Is that potentially me? Is that, you know, something I brought in and carried in? Or, you know, when we show up in somebody's house and somebody goes like, oh, yeah, you know, the kids are upstairs, they're feeling sick. Like, should we be in that situation or not? So I will be interested to see if, how that transition back to in-person games affects people and their friend groups as well. Um because this is really, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, start, continue, continue. No, I was just going to end with, because this is really something that uh, I don't think anybody's ever encountered in, you know, a hundred or so years. So it's not like we flip a switch and we all come back to what we were doing, you know, in 2019. There's going to be a change. Yeah. And I, I, it'll be a very physical, very, uh, uh, you know, people have to get used to, you know, wearing masks and, and asking permission before touching things and, um, or even providing their own things that are just for them that nobody else can 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 touch, which I think is fine. Uh, and I'm I'm wholly ready to like work with game stores that want to, you know, have these in person events again and make sure that they are um, safer for large groups of people to show up at. Like I I would love to do that again. Still not ready for bars. Still not ready for conventions. But um, small. Uh, gaming stores that can, you know, give us space or playing at home. Um, but also, like, I I think the tabletop community will get there eventually. Um, it it it's uh, I don't want to equate it like it's the same the the exact same, but it's almost like um, when there was a call for uh, tabletop communities to start doing um, X cards or um, uh, 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 like having having uh, cards that allowed for people to be like this content that um, has just come up has made me feel uncomfortable. I would like for this to be uh, removed or skipped over, um, or you know, uh, uh, addressing people by the correct pronouns for their characters, um, including uh, you know, uh, disabled people in uh, or uh, differently abled people into their games. As NPCs or as players, um, having POC, uh, queer people in games and having, having games that steer away from, uh, certain topics that are triggering for individuals. Like there was a large pushback from people. There still is a large pushback from people about, you know, silencing their, their, uh, ability to run games with this content in it when it's like, it takes, Two seconds for you to be a cool person and change this one detail in this game so that everybody at your table feels comfortable. Um, and I think, I think that has gotten a lot better. And now it's just, now there's an actual physical, uh, element that we are now adding on top of that with, you know, making sure that people keep their hands clean. And if they are sharing things to make sure that it's clean between contact between people um giving people space uh if you are sick not coming to the game just flat out not coming to the game um 
And I believe that it, it that shows the tabletop community becoming more of a community that actually cares about the players and the dungeon masters and um, being considerate of one another um, in just another way. And um, we can do it. I know we can. We're, we're grown ass adults, most of us. And the ones that aren't are amazing, wonderful um, children and teenagers who are coming up into this, uh, into this craft, into this community who are watching us be this way and are learning how to uh, play this game in a way that's fun and exciting. And look, if my kid uh, doesn't immediately rush in to kill the goblin and instead wants to talk to them while also wearing a mask and, you know, sitting a chair apart from the other person, that's, I've done my job. I think you mentioned it a little bit and I don't need to go into specifics obviously it's personal but like you do have a little one uh, running around correct I do he's taking a nap right now but nice. he's uh he's four right now um so, so and within a couple of years do you think uh you'll introduce RPGs and things like that to your children oh absolutely he's already he's already into Minecraft right nice. now nice. um and eventually he'll have the hand-eye coordination to actually like use a mouse or a controller to like actually play the game. Honestly, I think that'll take like maybe a year or two for, to, for him to like really nail that down. Um, video games are a big thing in our house. And I mean, he already has dice that he rolls and he gets excited about the numbers. And we're already like learning how to like count and add numbers together with our hands. So uh, adding the story element to it, um, does not uh, is not going to be that much more difficult. I feel like um, once kids are able to um, think in the abstract, uh, which is like that's child psychology and development that we don't have to get into. But pretty much I mean, once kids I'm game start, if you are. <laughs> uh, once kids start thinking in the abstract, uh, pretty much playing pretend, um, and you know knowing that. There, there is things outside of themselves that they can do and interact with and all that stuff. Like once that starts developing, so around like age five, six, seven, um, then yes, the, the, the tabletop RPG gaming stuff will absolutely be happening. Um, and I know there's games that already have, um, that aren't just D&D &D related that are, that are, um, tabletop that are, uh, specifically designed for children uh, of the young, of very, very young age. They're very simple and very easy. But honestly, I could just be like, all right, Oliver, here's a piece of paper. Here's the dice. We are going to go find a dragon. And then I could just tell tell a story about a dragon. And he'd be into it. Him and however many of his friends come to play, which... Uh, unfortunately, my child is, is surrounded by girls. That's not unfortunate. That's a good thing. My child is surrounded by girls his age. <laughs> so I feel like the, like once that group starts up, that'll be very exciting. It'll be a very exciting table now that I think about it, actually. I can't wait to hear about what comes of that because one of the things I always say 
And oh man, it's 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 one of these like great what ifs in my life is what if I got into this hobby when I was younger, right? And obviously I got into it when I was in my twenties, but if I had gotten to this in my teens or like even better if I got this very early on, to where you know you have a plethora of time, you have a abundant imagination, an endless well to pull from and ideas and things like that. I can't imagine what sort of things I would do and how much fun I'd have and the bonds I would create with the people who I play with, uh, you know, it's joking, you know, I, I joke, it's like, I wanted to have that stranger things experience. Right. But, um, I totally would have had that because easily, uh, easily could have seen myself falling in love with that a lot sooner and being, uh, I think a better person for it too, having found my niche and who I was earlier on. I also feel like, uh, depending on who the dungeon master is, because in stranger things, like you brought up, it's, uh, the young boys at the table playing with their friends. And that's a whole different dichotomy of uh, uh, gaming than if the dungeon master is a parent or a guardian or an adult. Um, it also depends on like what age you are and like what kind of media you're consuming and, and who you're playing with. There's, there's so many variables that's exciting to kind of think about, but I think generally, it, yes, if you, started playing young playing tabletop gaming that requires you know um improvisation math and working together or uh working apart um depending on the story that you're you're running but usually it's still like telling a story together even if your player even if the players aren't necessarily working together um i feel like that develops different skills that not a lot of games um do at least all together um which i think is very important seriously if i started playing dungeons and dragons or any kind of game that required me to roll roll a dice add a number um quickly uh when i was a kid i would have been so much better at math so much better definitely and i would have and i think you brought it up which I think is very interesting because I have this interesting situation of my own uh, where one of my players of my game, that six-year-long game, I saw him, you know, I met him, I saw his kid right when they were, you know, just born or a year or so after. And now they're at the, the point to where I joke with him all the time about like, I don't know, like, wouldn't it be funny if all of a sudden when I come over to your basement to play, your kid also now joins us downstairs and is part of the game? And it's getting closer and closer to that being a thing with, you know, him into Minecraft and him into uh, getting told stories when he goes to sleep. And my my, my, my friend uh, Dusty being like, well, it's kind of like I'm running, you know, a, a quick little one shot for him because I'll be like, well, then what, where, where does the boy go next? OK, well, then this happens and then this happens. So it's so kind of exciting for me. Obviously, I'm the outside looking in. I can't even imagine how you must feel as a parent share that experience but just the idea about like this kid who doesn't have the assumptions about high fantasy lore or, or any of the uh prejudices or the stereotypes that come with it who's just like game for whatever and at the same time you know maybe isn't interested in any of the stuff i have to say in which case you'll have to react accordingly and improvise around that and then change the game to curtail to what they were interested in so it's a very exciting prospect to me i've only had the opportunity to game uh, sorry to run for kids once but I'm excited about it potentially in the future. I would love to run for small kids. I run for teenagers and they're real fun uh, very, so much it's a lot of chaos with teenagers oh my god 
uh, I feel like a lot of them are, are when, it, when I was running for them, there was like some that were, were a little more um, reserved in what they were doing. And then there were some, uh, sorry. there were some that were uh, just like, put letting all of the bleed of teenage life into their character uh which is not a bad thing uh like if look if there's a place if there's any place that is safe for teenagers who are dealing with things to allow some of that self-bleed to work through whatever they need to work through in art in a in a in a safe setting go for it i just Absolutely. I'm not going to harsh any teenagers mellow if they just want to, like, have a weird fantasy kill spree in a game. Like, you obviously need to work through some things. I'm not going to sit here and judge you. You do you, boo. Like, <laughs> uh, I one parent did, like, talk to me about that. They, they were um, concerned that, like, their teenager was playing these very, very violent games and what was like playing a very violent character at the table and I said well does does your child act out does your child show these violent tendencies not in the fantasy world or like do they lash out at you do they shout at you do they um do, do they get into fights at school do they you know do they say some out-of-pocket stuff um, have they, like, do, do they carry a knife around with them? Like, do, like, do they do anything in these games in the real world? And the parents said no. And I was like, see, then you, there's nothing to worry about. Because they're, this is the outlet for that, those feelings that they might be having. But, you know, that's just, that's just teenager. They, there's just a lot there. <laughs> There's a lot that they're working through. So just, you know, let them have their kind of out-of-pocket stuff as they're working through the teenager things and really only make it a concern if it comes out it, at home in, in, like, the real world. But let your kids have angst moments. Let, let, them, let them be cringe. Let, let them do things that make you feel concerned but aren't actually, like go to go to therapy about just let let them be kids absolutely and nikki before i kind of wrap up here i just want to ask i know this conversation has kind of gone in a couple of avenues was there anything you wanted to bring up in particular before i kind of sign this off um nothing major i already talked earlier about um uh, the things that slays is doing talking about the things that i'll be doing um as a uh, I get ready to jump into my maternity leave and the exciting things that'll be happening while I'm away and once I come back and my thoughts on the RPG community, which I have many thoughts about it. Um, but uh, I think the biggest thing, if I'm allowed to just just to shout some things out, um, if you, uh, you, the collective who are listening to this podcast, want to um, have games run by a specific dungeon master paying them even if it's just 20 bucks like collectively 20 dollars uh would mean the world to any dungeon master um and i i highly i highly doubt any dungeon master would get offended 
if you were like, yes, let us pay you, it's not much, they would probably be, they'd probably cry. Um, pay your dungeon masters if you can. If not, that's okay. But we should do that. Um, get more, uh, black, Hispanic, Latino, uh, people of color, queer people, differently able people into your tables and into your games. Not just one. Uh, and not just for, uh, one event. Uh, get them for your continuous games. Get them for your continuous streams. Get them for your continuous table talks. Um, we need more voices like that in the tabletop community, uh, and allow them the space to do that without the added white cis male voices alongside. Like, let give give spaces for those people to talk unabashedly. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, like you know, Black Lives Matter, trans rights, human rights, stop Asian hate, and fuck Nazis. Those are really my biggest, my big one, my big four. Uh, and I think that's about all that I gotta say. <laughs> Absolutely, and if you want to have even more insights or hear more of Nikki's thoughts, maybe get into contact her with her. What would be the best way, Nikki? Um, you can email us uh, at sladiesatl uh, at gmail.com. You can also message us on Twitter if you want to get in contact with me personally. You can also message me uh, through the Twitters at the wigged DM. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty fast to respond. I'll be much faster to respond again once I get on this maternity leave. <laughs> Most certainly. And if you enjoy this and want to contact me, my personal Twitter is at classy underscore Don. That's D-O-N. The Gmail is myrpgpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, this is the My RPG Podcast, which you can find on anywhere podcasts are found around the globe and the interwebs, of course. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and I'll see you at the table.